Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you have recovered from my last episode, which was with Kate Copstick. I owe you no apology because uh, the podcast went on for about one hour, 48 minutes. It was a complete rant. Uh, even yeah, definitely she wasn't coping uh, with the lockdown. But what is really interesting, my people from all over the world, is as soon as I uh, posted the uh, episode with uh, Kate Copstick, she received quite a lot of downloads and it's still happening up to now. So look, I have to say, thank you very much. I, I want to introduce you to my next guest. And um, this is someone who I met in the circuit, because if you remember, I used to be a former comedian before I became a president. And I, I met lots of comedians, you know, and I got along with, I believe I got along with quite a number of people. But when I was thinking of who should I invite this podcast because uh, comedy is quite competitive this name just you know they say take care of the universe his name just cropped up straight away and i'll tell you why his name is joe jacobs and when i uh, gave up running a country and i started performing comedy for 11 years i remember in 2016 he might not remember this i uh, was uh, lucky enough to get to the finals of the natties it's the new act of the year uh, the likes of Stuart Lee, uh, Gina Yashere have all been finalists. And this, I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you, this is what happened. And I remember receiving an, uh, a message on Facebook from Joe Jacobs. And what he wrote to me was just so interesting. He said, oh, I am so excited that you're in the finals. Make sure you do it. And let me tell you, I just thought, wow, I didn't even have to do any shameless promotion. This is a fellow comic, actually, uh, telling me that he believes in what I can do and I should do it. Mm. I, for that moment, I felt like a comedian's comedian. Honestly, I felt, wow, I've got some you know, credibility from my, from, my, from my peers. And uh, it's no coincidence that I have brought him here today because I respect him as a comic. We, you know, no airs and graces. Whenever we meet, we're civil towards each other and we want to do well. It just so happens that we've done so well that we're now doing a Zoom podcast together which is good. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't remember you. I don't remember sending you that message, but oh, yeah, yeah I, but I do. I do. I do. So let me start by just reading something out for you about Joe Jacobs. Joe Jacobs, according to what I have, my people, my people have provided me with information. They tell me from what they have gathered on the internet that Joe Jacobs is an English actor. Jacobs has appeared in the bill. Holly's Hobby City, and is best known for his role as PC Billy Jackson in the BBC police drama Holy Blue, the son of actor Clark Peters and grandson of broadcaster David Jacobs. He was in Night and Day. I'm now thinking, geez, this guy, no wonder he got on very well and got onto, onto because he's been on, a, uh, what's it called, Harry Harry's um, show on um, Channel 4, so white privilege, yeah. Yeah? Mr. Mr. Pre Mr. President, I need to stop you. Uh, I'm not that Joe Jacobs. The Joe Jacobs that your people have provided you with is not me. I am not the son of Clark Peters. Have you? Do you know who Clark Peters is? I have no idea. You should Google Clark Peters. Let Let me show you. I'll show you. Are you telling me that my people are giving me wrong information? I believe so. I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm Clark Peters' son. I, I would love to be because I'm a huge fan of Clark. This is so, Clark Peters from The Wire. 
you know, a big stage actor. He's been in a lot of HBO shows. This is Clark Peters here. He I'm knew, not his son. You're not his son. You're not mixed race. No, I, I'm not. I'm not. His son is also a Joe Jacobs who's been in the Bill and Holby City, as you said. We've never met. But how come your photo is linked to his Wikipedia? I don't know. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. Maybe that is white privilege. Yeah, that is what white privilege does. Your cultural appropriation. Whoever has uh, updated that Wikipedia needs to be shot. And I have to say to you, my people will get shot as well for, for giving me wrong yeah. information. So I think, is, I think that's valid. I think they deserve to be. So this is this what happens I too do. Often. Yeah, this is what I do know about you then. Um, I, I'm mm. so sorry to my listeners. This is the real Joe Jacobs. I think the one I just read out is the fake Joe Jacobs. Joe Jacobs is a London-based comedian, rapper, and writer. Since 2012, he has performed nationally and internationally sharing bills with the acts, including Bill Barr, Stuart Lee, and Mr. Motivator. Despite the fact that Joe has shared bills with me in an open mic pub many, many years ago, that is not mentioned in his website. It is Bill Barr and Stuart Lee that he mentions. Um, in 2017, Joe took right to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, where it received critical acclaim. In 2019, he returned with gratefulness. Joe has recently appeared on Channel 4 stand-up show Club Night. Now, is that you? This, that's me, that one. Okay, thanks for clarifying that. Um, how have you been, Joe? It's been a long time. How have you been, been coping a... with this lockdown? How are you keeping your mind busy? Well, I'm doing all right. I, uh... The first lockdown, I, I was okay. I was pretty good. I was quite productive. Second one, had a bit of a dip, started drinking, smoking, lapsing. And then this third one, I kind of, I think I'm depressed. I got a sad light, a seasonal affective. Oh, it's off. But one of those sad lamps. Yeah, yeah okay. I have good days and bad days. I'm tr I think it's because the year starts, when January starts, it's usually slow. There's dark nights. And I'm waiting for work to pick up again. And usually it would be, it would be a quiet time anyway. Mm. But with this situation, it's extra quiet. And you're just waiting for things to, I like to feel that things are progressing. And, I, yeah. and for a moment, it's very slow progress. I'm really sorry to hear that. And if, if it helps in any way, quite a number of people are feeling the way you are feeling at the moment. I mm. mean, I, I met with uh, Kate Kopstick, uh, yesterday and she first 10 minutes was just a rant and she was swearing freaking 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 all over the place. what was she what was what's up with her is she down as well no not necessarily down not just very unhappy with the lockdown and feels that yeah britain is uh airing towards a dictatorship not happy with the way the government has responded and believes well you know what mm. you know what like, i'm here with a dictator and i believe that Britain should be more like a dictatorship because if you look at the dictatorships and how they're dealing with this, they're dealing with it pretty well. Their people are told, stay indoors, otherwise this virus will kill you. And if you don't, we'll fucking kill you. And that's quite effective. Joe, this is what I said to, um, my, my view is that the pandemic has exposed democracy. It's not what it's all meant to be. And you're absolutely right. If you look at the likes of Taiwan, China, North Korea, and people will tell you, oh, because it's a dictatorial regime, you don't know what is actually happening. I saw Taiwan New Year's Eve. They were getting ready to celebrate New Year 
on the 20, on 2021, and the place was packed. So I genuinely believe that the pandemic has exposed the British government. Democracy is overrated. It's a virus. Yeah. It is overrated. I don't know what the well, I don't know what the answers are, but it's it, you can't have it both ways. It's either you have a full lockdown, you can't stagger it because COVID doesn't care about the economy, and that's what I believe is happening right now. But yeah, yeah. I also think I think it's a combination between uh, kind of democracy, the cracks in democracy showing, and also I do believe that British people, on the whole are dicks that don't deserve all of their liberty i have mm. to i have to say that because we're mm. at the beginning of all this corona i was uh away in spain for like a fortnight working mm. and uh, i came back just when everything was kicking off it was just around the first lockdown i got back and i was in spain when this was just beginning it was sort of last march and everyone in this sleepy little spanish village they were masked up and if i was walking on the pavement without a mask i was being shouted at by pensioners saying you know, mask get the mask and then I, I did it. I returned back to England. Day one, I'm on a fucking ram tube. Probably like the biggest Petri dish known to man. People aren't wearing masks. People don't care. Mm. They mm. don't care. Yeah. And, and, and I is, hope is they that, care soon, though. Is, yeah. Well, I hope Well, I hope they haven't left it too late because it's affecting everybody now. I, you know, I, I, I genuinely believe there are times I believe that Britain is a very... Uh, people don't care for their neighbors. It's very selfish. It's always about mm. me, 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 and no one else. That's how I feel at times when I, when I see the responses, when I see people not flout, you know, flouting the rules, when people are protesting because they've been told to wear a mask. Wear a mask so that you can take care of yourself and take care. I have an elderly mom. And last time I went to go and see my mom just to go and drop some provision, she wouldn't let me into the house. Not that I wanted to go in. She just said, stay where you are. Thank you for the mm. goods. And we had a chat and it was very far apart. That was painful for me, but I had to take personal responsibility. But this is what I don't seem to understand is either people are so used to uh, a nanny state. You hear people talk about uh, the vaccine. You know, I just think that people have too much liberty. That's basically what I think. But we're not going to be able I to solve agree. it. I agree. I yeah. agree. And, and, and these comments are not very popular, I must say. People say that- Are they not? No, they're not very popular. People, people are against this. People, people genuinely believe that the government has some kind of agenda and, you know, COVID is not real for some people. I mean, this thought lockdown, I know- I think it's half and half. I think half of it is a very inept government that is kind of systematically a bit evil and they're not, you know, they're, they're thinking about it from different levels. They don't really, you know, Tory government, they're not particularly pleasant, let's, let's be honest, but- I do think people need personal responsibility in life and mm. the British public seem to demonstrate repeatedly that <laughs> they take it for granted. Yeah, we couldn't, they can't be trusted to do these basic things. That's why to some extent we're in the shit we're in, I think. Yeah. But if you go to certain European countries, I don't know, like, I don't know where, not America, that's in that's America, but like Europe, European countries, I don't know what Sweden's saying, but on the whole, they're pretty well-behaved people, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Even though I think they've had some problems because yeah. if I remember correctly, they they didn't have a lockdown. So they've got high infection no, I rates think it was now. a bad example. I Is thought I was going to say it. <laughs> yeah, it's a really bad example. I think they did this. I think they, they were the people that said, oh, we don't, we're not going to do a lockdown. And then everyone sort of snuffed it down yeah, the line. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and everyone said, but, but you, could, you could look, you could look, you could use, if people don't want to compare democracy with dictatorship, New Zealand is a good example, isn't it? 
New Zealand, yeah, but that's a really spaced out area. But they got a really good prime minister. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, she's good. She's good. But I mean, New Zealand got rid of COVID, but like, isn't there like about three people per every thousand mile radius or something? Yeah, but yeah, it's just like in. Uh, I have a friend who's currently performing in Australia, Perth. They have a Perth fringe, and it's, it's that going ahead. That's going ahead, and that's because oh, they sake. have they have no corona. And I wish. I wish I thought about it. I wish I, I had that, you know, vision. I would be in Australia now performing, doing a fringe. But that's happening. Imagine. That's happening Imagine. right now. And, you know, it's happening because they, apparently, yeah, as you rightly pointed out, they're spaced out and it's, you know, not many population. You know, there's a lot they're doing. But look, I tell Wouldn't I it be fun to be doing comedy right now, man? All this shit going on? I, 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 I am not sure. I, I, I have mixed views about whether audiences, I think audiences are now almost like couch potatoes. They are now, you know, we can just grab a beer from the fridge and we can listen to Joe Jacobs through Zoom. Why would I want to travel an hour away from home to go and watch Joe Jacobs or to go and watch Bill Burr? I don't know, you know, because they are- know. Did, you they, do it, did you do any shows be between the lockdowns? Oh, I did. I did. I did a driving gig. Um, that was like, How was felt, that? oh, that was quite interesting. I felt like a parking attendant issuing out tickets and basically saying, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then, and then, <laughs> and then Joe, I ran out of tickets and I just basically said, guys, I do comedy at night. You guys want to watch some comedy, park your cars and I won't give you any more tickets. And they just parked their cars. And you know, it it just felt like a dog in sight. It felt. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but look, I can't, I can't, I can't complain. I think for you're me, you're making. You're the first person that made it sound good. The driving gig with that description. Really? Dogging. It's like a dogging site, an active dogging site, and you're sort of like a parking attendant. Yeah, like I'm a parking attendant. And, I, and even at one point, yeah. I was waving to the people, and then the way they tooted their horns, but. Did I believe I stomped the gig? Delusion, very delusional. I, I genuinely believe that they enjoyed it. Actually, there were a number of people who followed me on, on, on Twitter afterwards, but it wasn't the same because one of the things I didn't realize is that uh, because some comics don't like this after a gig, they don't want to meet with the audience. But actually, I enjoyed talking to the audience after a, a gig, not because I felt I needed to get some feedback, but it was my own way of building my audience. You know, building my audience and having that connection with them. So I missed that bit, and then I did Definitely. a number of I did a number of Zoom gigs, um, and uh, yeah, there were some where I totally died. Uh, How do you know when you're dying on a Zoom gig? Nobody laughs. Never. <laughs> 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 Let me tell you, it, it depends on which. But, you did, but, but it doesn't like because it's digital and you're in a, you know, you're in a in a chat room. Mm -hmm. You can't really tell or feel if people are laughing. No, no you can like hear it. No, 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 it depends on how it's organized. There are some comedy promoters who have been very good at um, improving their technical ability. So what they do is that some of them don't mute when you're performing, so you can hear the audience laugh. You can, yeah. you can and that yeah exactly but when you don't hear anything uh because what he thought to me is as i did one or two and then i, I mastered it is that you 
and I, we've been gigging, performing comedy now for the past you know, 10, 11 years. We know where our punchlines are. So what you don't do is rush it. You just do your mm. stuff. When you know there's a punchline, wait to hear the response. And it's different. Yeah. And, and, and then I, I mastered the fact that, you know, there are times when, you know, I, I just got used to the fact that these people are in a room, but they're in their couch. What did I used to do when a live gig? People used to stand up and, and, and pledge allegiance to me. And right now they're sitting in their chairs, half naked, watching me perform. And that alone- That's disrespectful to very, the president. Exactly, right? disrespectful to the president. So I, I believe that just like we're doing this now, we're just acquiring new skills. And so if, anything, if anybody offers anything to me, um, I will, voiceovers, for example. You know, I never mm. thought about voiceovers. But I remember when I was young, when my father used to drive me around back in Nigeria, he used to tell me I had a good broadcasting voice. And I just thought, that's what I remembered. And I just thought, actually, I could be very good in doing voiceovers. So I think one of the mistakes, not mistakes, one of the things- What that kind of voiceover, what voiceover guy would you see yourself as? More, more of, um, well, more of, um, I, I would say more of political, political adverts, political- yeah. Political advert? Yeah. More like what? Can you? Oh, like I what? don't know. I don't know at the moment. I've not really given it any. I could, um, I would see you more as like a, I think you could be like a friendly, upbeat. I think you could sell me something. Oh, okay. okay. Even in uniform. Like mini eggs or something. Mini eggs. <laughs> yeah, like, got a, got, a, got a warm, warm, friendly voice. Not, I don't, you know, you, you yeah. do your dictator stuff on the side. I think you, your main hustle could be selling confectionery. Okay. You know what I mean? Like okay. mini I'm, eggs. I'm, I'm, I'd say, yeah, mini eggs. I will, I will, I will consider that. I will consider that. I think there's something in that. Yeah. You've got to broaden your horizons with VO. Don't just limit yourself to the political sphere, President. Yeah, Obama, I know, really. I know, but I know, I know. But the, the, I, I am the one who's supposed to be asking you questions, not you interviewing me. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. It's okay, no, no, it's okay. It's all good, it's all good. So, what, so apart from the fact that you, you it's been difficult, to, you, you've explained three, lockdowns what, what were you doing in spain you said you went to spain and you you what, what were you doing in spain basically my my girlfriend uh managed to find like a shack in the middle of nowhere uh and she was working i wasn't working and she she booked it for three weeks just before everything kind of went crazy so we yeah. managed to get out of england while you were still able to fly quite easily okay so and... i was in the middle of, in the middle of nowhere for a couple of weeks so you were just relaxing. You didn't do anything. You didn't even think of. Did you? It wasn't really relaxing. I mean, I was. It was relaxing, but it wasn't like. It certainly wasn't a holiday. It was a very bare bones sort of place mm. on the side of a mountain, quite mm. quite remote. Mm. It was just yeah, just red. You know, you, you know, one of the things I, that that when I used to travel and go on holiday and take a break, I used to, for example, when I went to Italy, I when even though when I was on holiday, I would always think about. What is it like to perform comedy in Italy? You know, are there any comedy clubs around there? You, did it ever cross your mind when you were in Spain to think about, oh, comedy? Uh, a lot of these people, I don't think, uh, I mean, some of these buildings, I mean, I don't think there was much of a comedy scene there where okay. I was, let's just say. Yeah. But I get, I, I, I did think that a lot whenever, like really in the old days, I used to really travel for work mostly. That was how I did my holidays. Mm. I would be working somewhere and I get to see some new place, you know? Mm, mm, mm. That's how I got to go to Sweden and wherever the hell I went recently. Mm. Did I go to Sweden? 
I think I've got I've got a show in Dubai coming up. I don't know if that's happening. I'm really oh, excited wow. to go to Dubai because everyone says it's awful. I want to experience it for myself to decide if it's awful. Okay, so that's really interesting because I I I I have never been to Dubai and I know why people say Dubai and you shouldn't go. Have you were you um as soon as it was offered, did you ever think, oh no, maybe I shouldn't even go. This is not right for me or because people get condemned for going to Dubai, for example. People do get condemned for going to Dubai, but uh, it's really hard for me to know why, because because I haven't really been. I, I understand it was built in a way that kind of took advantage of a lot of people. I, I mean, I believe slaves mm-hmm. built it effectively. There's a lot mm-hmm. of dodgy stuff there, but I mean, what place doesn't have a bit of a, you know, a dodgy rep and history? You've got to start mm-hmm. somewhere like... There are positives to the place, but that said, I haven't been. I mean, it looks fucking gross. Mm. Like it looks like the most uh, kind of ostentatious, mm-hmm. glitzy, and kind of a bit tacky mm. place ever. I wouldn't choose to go on a holiday there, mm. but if I'm going there for work, I'd go and see what's going on. Yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people go there for for holiday. It's, it's, it's a lot. Yeah, a lot of the rappers are there. Yeah, you know yeah. that. That's where yeah. all the rappers go now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. So I, mean, I want to do that. I want to join them. Yeah, why I'm not? A rapper. So you do you see yourself before we go into your music, because I've got lots of questions. You are one of a few, depending on how many comics. I don't know how many comedians we have in the UK. Do you know? Too many. Too many. <laughs> That's what I keep saying. But you you are one of a few who made that leap from life and like a life act to actually performing on TV. Can you, are you yeah. in a way able to talk about the transition? What was it like performing to a TV audience? Because some people haven't had that experience. But and congratulations on that, by the way. How did how did that Thank feel? You. Well, on the day, it felt really, really good, and I was very happy with the performance. Everything went smoothly, and it genuinely was one of the best days ever for me because it felt like you know I I finally achieved something I'd always wanted to do. At the same time, I remember afterwards thinking I'd always wanted to do comedy on TV, but I'm glad it happened at the time it happened because the set I performed and where I was at with the act and what I wanted to do, it was definitely more accomplished at that point. I was very keen to rush ahead when I was starting out and I was feeling like, oh, I should be, I'm ready to do, I'm ready for this club. I'm ready for this performance. But the reality is, and this isn't easy to take, but I wasn't. I was probably shit for about seven years. You know, that's why when you get reviewed in those early days and you get a bad review, nine times out of ten, you kind of, you kind of know that they're onto something. That's why it's quite hurtful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was a very good day, but I'm glad it took all those years because mm-hmm. I think I, 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 I had a calm. I had a sense of calm when I did it that I probably wouldn't have had maybe a few years before I would have been worried I was an imposter and like, oh, I can't believe this has happened. I'm not ready for this. This is mad. Mm. But when I went, I was very excited. I was very excited to just do it. And mm. it was great. Mm. And obviously you got, you got a good response. Did, has that built your following in any, got gained more followers? Mm, I mean, people don't watch too much TV. It's done, it, it, it was doing good stuff for me. Live, live, live work, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm. A lot of promoters would say, oh, where's your TV credits? And now mm. I could say, here, yeah, motherfucker. Good. But was there, 
was there any different? I think the question for me was, was there any difference in terms of performing live comedy in a comedy club and then performing on TV to an audience? Because yeah, don't you, you need what? a different skill? I would say it was, it was easier. Ah. Because it was like, I mean, the only thing I was really concerned about was time. I didn't want to go over my time and like take a long time. But before I did it, Harry came up to me and he just said, take your time, mm-hmm. which was very important for me to hear because I was going to rush it maybe mm-hmm. without him saying that. I was like, wow, you know, this is all big production. Or the... mm-hmm. So I did take my time, but I found it to be, I think it's on the whole, I'm sure a lot of comedians have died on TV. I know of a few, but usually they're more generous and because it's an artificial environment people are happy to see something being made yeah they're quite generous the audience i found Mm -hmm. i thought they were more generous and then also if you do have a shit performance they'll just edit them in as having a good time anyway yeah excellent and not book you so you you can't (laughs) fail yeah and not book you again (laughs) (laughs) so well done for that anyway so what i because look i uh I also know that you, you, I'm trying to remember, I, I think even before I started performing comedy, I saw you perform at a place that I eventually died at, um, Cottons. Oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and you are one of a few, well, is this right to say one of a few white comics who perform in the black comedy scene? What? What, how did that happen? How did, because that's, because I remember I used to run a, a shisha gig. I don't know if you remember a shisha gig. This was, this was Somalians in, in Shepherd's Bush. They loved shisha yeah. and comedy. And yeah. I always, <laughs> and I always, did I, I think you did. I think you did. You, sounds, and I remember, yeah, and I remember uh, booking a number of white comics and actually telling them to come and perform. And I told them it was a shisha gig. And it was like, damn, ain't doing it. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, at the time. I had the time. I, I know a few people who did it who were actually doing very well. But what what how, how did you get into black? I don't want to call it black comedy or burn comedy. Yeah, black comedy yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. How did I get into it? I I don't think I've intended to get into performing at black gigs, but I think my favorite acts are all black comics from the States. Like I think black comedy is like leads the way i think black culture mm-hmm. leads the way for anything mm-hmm. so i just like to follow things that i'm into myself mm-hmm. and uh i wanted to i wanted to be a comedian that could work in any room to mm-hmm. all kinds of people mm-hmm. i didn't want to be safe in some sort of middle class white room where everyone politely laughs i love mm-hmm. the idea of in the black circuit if they love you you know about it. if they hate mm-hmm. you you will also know about it mm-hmm. and i just wanted to be around like I just wanted to be around good acts and good crowds. And mm-hmm. and I also just wanted to gig and I didn't really care where. But I loved Cottons because I got to hang out with Kane Brown every week and watch mm-hmm. him weave magic in mm-hmm. the hardest of rooms. Mm-hmm. And I think seeing that made me a better act, just being around that, even if it was a tough show. Mm-hmm. And there were some tough shows there, but just mate, watching I, Kane. Just- mate, I, I remember one particular gig that I did there I died. I literally, it was a bad death. I mean, it was mm. such a bad death that, you know, one of those gigs where you don't even want to stay and 
you just don't want to stay. And I remember- You get the stench off you. You get the stench off me. And I was so, uh, this was well over 12, 12 years ago. I remember that night and I died. I was so <laughs> gutted by it. And then told you the comedian, uh, you must know told you the comedian. He was sitting, he was sitting in, the, in the crowd and uh, he knew I was about to leave. And he said, Abonjo, where are you going? Sit down there and learn. <laughs> And that was the best yeah. advice ever because I genuinely think that day, I I just thought black people don't like me. They don't like my comedy. <laughs> no, <laughs> and, no, and, man. Yeah, and, and I thought, damn, I'm gonna give this up. I what's the point? I just died. It's it just it I was just, just Cottons didn't like comedy, and there was a comedy club set around it. Yeah, yeah, and there were lots. Yeah, and there were just lots of there were lots of well, you know, there were lots of other comedy clubs that I discovered eventually. But at the time, being black, it was important for me to conquer Cottons at the time, and I didn't, and that was so painful. And I, twelve years down the line, I still remember. I still remember dying <laughs> that gig. But the best advice told you, I, the, the best advice told you gave me was. Um, you know, stay stay behind and watch comics. You will learn from it, and it was it was the best thing I uh, best advice I, I I was given. Yeah, you got to watch, man. Yeah, that's what I mean. Watch. I just would I would watch Kane. Mm -hmm. Learn a lot from Kane. Mm. Learn a lot from all everybody that passed through there. There was so many good acts there. Mm. Learn a lot because he taught me the most valuable lesson doing yeah. cottons, which you learn is you have to treat a gig even if there's three people. Yeah, you got to treat it. Like it's the biggest gig ever. Yeah, they're there for a good show. Yeah, you never know who's you never know who's in the room. You never know who's in the room. Right. Yeah. So you you had. And I I've I've seen gigs with three people, seven people, be amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When you think they're going to be a disaster, mm -hmm. but no, there are people who are really up for it. They want to hear, and want to engage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you've had you had you've had. I know it's it's a different climate at the moment, but you've had some. Real successes. You've had the Channel Four with Harry. Be tell me about the billboard thing. How did that happen? And what was that like? Uh, the the billboard thing, really. If I'm being honest with you, Mr. President, I'm not going to lie to you. you. You know, you're a very serious dictator. I can't lie to you. <laughs> the billboard thing was just chance, really. I was in LA. I was had a couple of shows booked, really boring shows, and I just knew someone at the comedy store who uh, put in a word, and it was just an unscheduled billboard headline show, like. I wasn't like handpicked to do the guy's tour support or anything, but you know, it did happen mm -hmm. and it looks good on the CV. So mm -hmm. you know what comics do. We got to milk it. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to, and, and you know, then a lot of acts do similar things, you know, they'll say uh, shared stages with X. I've done tour support for X, but mm -hmm. yeah, it's not really too exciting a story. I did meet him and hang out a little bit just briefly, mm -hmm. obviously. The main reason he's on there is because I like him. I'm like, yeah, that's cool that that happened. But, but what was the experience like? You had that opportunity. Not everybody has that opportunity anyway. I, I don't care how you did it, you know. How, how, what was it like playing in front of a Bill Barr audience? It was cool, man. It was just at the comedy store in LA. It was fun. It was fun to perform to American crowds. Yeah. I really want to get out to America again, I think. Mm. Mm. I think as a British person performing in the States, we get it so much easier. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't want to eat my words years down the line, but to us, sorry, to, to them, we're completely an anomaly mm -hmm. because at these shows at the store, they have 
like uh it's so competitive it's like 20 mm. acts in a night mm. and man they all sound the same i yeah. don't want to shit yeah. on any acts over there but they in england everyone is distinctive there's a lot of originality yeah, a real yeah. melting pot yeah yeah when i went the brief time i spent in new york and la performing i didn't really i felt like it was very generic a lot of people were doing it to pursue do acting or you know, yeah. who knows what. Yeah. I just like I just want to do comedy. So yeah, yeah. Okay. So apart, you're a man of of, of diversity. You you do um, apart from the fact that you're not an actor, uh, but you you do comedy. You also do rap. You do music. You do you rap. Yeah. Tell me how that. Yeah. Tell me how that all began. I think that that at one point I think if I remember it just it blew, didn't it? It it's it, there's a lot of stuff on your YouTube channel. As a result, yeah. yeah. Tell me, I've never blew in rap, but I've had some good moments where things have popped off a little bit. Yeah, um, it started. I was I started rapping in Garage days, UK Garage days, when I was like fourteen. Yeah, uh, of course I was terrible, uh, and of course I had no place to rap in UK mm -hmm. Garage because it was not for me. Mm -hmm. But I loved writing rhymes. I loved the culture of it and the creativity of it. Mm -hmm. So I just stuck it out and I had a little break and then started writing hip hop mm -hmm. a few years later and did an album around 2008, but I did a couple little projects before that, 2007. Mm -hmm. And yeah, man. And that's something that's really helped me in lockdown. I've written a lot of music during lockdown. Okay. I love the, I love writing and making music. Okay. And is that got music? A new album, got a new album coming out very soon as well. It's finished and out soon. Okay, so is that music that is online that people can listen to? Yeah, yeah, that's Jester Jacobs. I'm on Spotify, YouTube, mm -hmm. everywhere. And you're getting good downloads? I wouldn't say good downloads, but now and again, it does all right. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's cool. It's very that's good. It's very competitive, Mr. President. You know? But is it, is it more competitive than, than comedy? Uh, it's a different type of competitive. Anything in the creative arts is competitive. With rap, like, I don't know, like rap is, rap is competitive in the sense that people see it as a young man's game. You really have to show off your success. Mm -hmm. Like visually, it's all mm -hmm. about how much you got, what you're bringing in, what numbers. Mm -hmm. With comedy, mm -hmm. that, that kind of thing is a bit frowned upon. It's very British attitude to say, oh no, I'm nothing, I'm a piece of shit, especially, mm -hmm. and that works in comedy. Mm -hmm. But in rap, you're like, no, you got to tell us how great you are. Mm -hmm. I just got to get a phone call, hang on. Yeah. Sorry, one sec. Yeah. Hang on, I just... Hang on, you still there? Yes, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm here. Sorry, I, I just got a set. My sister has just brought me some McDonald's. Oh, excellent. Um, excellent. Amazing. So, um, my good friend, Joe, yeah, my good friend, Joe is, uh, about to get some McDonald's. Never knew he ate McDonald's. I thought he would have considering that he goes to cottons and he does rap, but he will be having rice and peas and all that stuff. But it's McDonald's. Hey, I love that too, man. I love that too. <laughs> love that too. So what do you want to do? Do you want to get the McDonald's or do you want to continue? Hang on, phone's dying. This is what happens on a live show. Mr. Yeah, but it's good. Yeah, but it's not a live show though. But this is good. This is this is what I'm gonna. This is what All I'm right, gonna call. Hang on, I can't hear you. I'm gonna have to turn this on. Okay. One sec. One sec. One sec.
All right, hang on. Yep, no problem. All right, there we go. There we go. I've yeah. Just so, you know, one of the things but I like. If I could tell you the situation under my house right now, is crazy. Ah, okay. Yeah. So yeah, they've got a lot of phone, a lot of buzzing. Please forgive me, Mr. President. I've don't worry. Don't look. Don't worry about about it, man. You, I, I'm taking your time. And one of the things I love about this podcast is as well is that every time I do a podcast, there's always what I call a podcast blooper. <laughs> So mm. <laughs> I shall be sharing that to the rest of the world. So we were talking yeah. about comedy and music, and we're talking about how competitive, but it's different. Do you, yeah. do, because you do both, how do you balance your reaction well, to both? The, I think how I balanced it is uh, I just want to be authentic mm -hmm. in whatever I do. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel like I have to like pretend that I'm a gangster. I don't mm -hmm. have to pretend that I'm even successful. Mm -hmm. I just want to do what I do and try and get people to listen or to watch it. And mm -hmm. if they do, great. And if they don't, also great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's actually a bit of a relief and a bit of a weight off to have that attitude because mm -hmm. I think uh, I'm so glad I found comedy when I did because if I was just chasing rap in the way I was and I wasn't mm -hmm. getting the results that I wanted, it would have been very disheartening but mm -hmm. being able to do comedy meant i was on a stage every night and it was you know satisfying you which one did you start first was it rap yeah rap i started okay. comedy maybe when i was about 23. why comedy rapping for i always wanted to do it i had to do okay. it yeah yeah always wanted to do that, that they, took they, me years not... took me years to get the courage because it's very intimidating at first mm. Actually, I, I, when you have nothing to say, like I, I had nothing to say, yeah. but I had to say it. I had to say nothing. The bit, the bit that's really, <laughs> the bit that's really interesting for me is I, I, I remember reading someone's post recently, and that person basically said that they were planning to go to Edinburgh Fringe. They haven't been gigging, but they're planning to do a one-hour show, and they suffer from self-doubt. And I, I, I don't know. I, I genuinely believe that if you're going to be successful at comedy, um, there are certain, how would I put it, certain characteristics that you've got to have um, before you hit that stage or it's just going to kill you. Like self-doubt, like um, always seeking validation, uh, seeking acceptance. Um, the fact that you will have critics, you will have people who will either enjoy what you do or don't enjoy what you do. What I'm trying to say is that if you haven't got resilience as a person, forget the material, you are going to fuck yourself up if you get on that stage and you haven't got those qualities. That's what I, that's what I, <laughs> you're going to mess yourself totally, up. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. That's something, just... that's something COVID has made me think about. Like, I always, I, I think I messed up in the head that for so many years, I was going place to place, gig to gig, without even thinking about it, jumping on anywhere, everywhere. Yeah. You know, because in this time of lockdown, when everything is, you're at home, you're not doing mm. so much. Mm. When I did do gigs, I was like, did I do this every night? This is so, so strange. I come to these horrible pubs filled with disease. I choose to be here. Mm. Yeah. Well, Birmingham is a, is a good example of the gig I was talking to you about. It was snowing that day and, mm. and anything could have happened on the road. But I said, I wanted that gig and I went and I honestly don't know how I got there and how I got back. <laughs> All I was focusing on 
was actually going there and getting get, getting being heard on stage. I've even remembered going for a gong show in Manchester for a five minute set. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I'd done the same thing. I'd leave work at it's three, set. four. Yeah. So five up. Do, does, that, does that mean that your does that mean that your head is messed up? I really don't know, but I actually have to agree with you that um, it, I think it's because of when you start, people say, uh, do as many gigs as you can, because it will make you get better. But actually, after a while, it's the quality, I think, that matters. You know, you've yeah. got to, re you've got to think reflect, you've got, strategize. You've got, to do, you've got to do as many gigs as you can and as much exposure as you can at the beginning. Mm. And then after a while, you have to have a bit of quality control because yeah. everything you learn in the first few years, you've learned. <laughs> you, yes. don't have to keep, you don't have to keep learning it. Yeah, yeah. And, that's why, that's why, and that's why I talk about confidence, having that confidence that your material, I don't know how you feel now. Do you feel that if, for example, Britain opens its doors to comedy, which is what I think it is, because they shut down <laughs> the comedy scene, opens the door to comedy, and someone says to you tomorrow, Joe, there is a gig tomorrow, 20 minutes. What mm. is your initial reaction? Apart from, yeah, you're happy. Do you feel you can still remember your set? Do you feel, yes, I can still I can't. do a good job? I can't remember a lot of my set, but the shows that I have done in the space between lockdowns and everything, they were amazing. I had such a good time. I was yeah. back and it, it came very quickly. <laughs> the, the, the worst, like the most nervous I was, was between when March, March lockdown and then I had one literally in the middle of nowhere in Essex when all the gigs shut. There was somewhere doing an outdoor gig and I drove very far to just just to do a show because mm -hmm. it had been so long like mm -hmm. four months maybe mm -hmm. maybe longer wow. and that was i was nervous for that one just mm -hmm. as i started because i was like mm -hmm. can i still do it mm -hmm. but now i realize i can so it's okay yeah it's almost like driving if you say you have a you have a car you have an accident and then you stop driving for a while uh, and then it might take two or three months and you have a car you're back you just start driving again that's what mm. I think. So, and I think the more experienced you are, the more easy it is for you to get back on stage. But that that's um, that's good. So you you know you're doing rapping. You're not the actor. You've got comedy. Uh, what else is going on? What else? How else do you fill your your time? Well, I just I'm trying to get some work. Okay, that's pretty hard. Okay, that's that's long. I might start being a drug dealer, maybe. No, no, I'll ask you not to go for that. What kind of jobs are you looking for? What are your strengths? <laughs> <laughs> what are your strengths? No, I wouldn't be a drug dealer. Yeah. No, I've got jobs. I've got, I'm a freelancer. I do, I do bits and bobs. Things are okay. coming along. Okay. But more generally what I'm doing is uh, I'm playing a lot of video games. Okay. I'm reading, I'm reading a lot of books. Okay. Reading a lot of books and playing a lot of games, watching good films, mm -hmm. trying to walk, mm -hmm. walk dogs. It's yeah. a bit harder to walk with the weather at the moment. But... No, no, I, I, I wanted to take a walk yesterday and it was just so dark and cold and I just thought, I'm not yeah. doing it. You said That's video games. Yeah, video yeah. games. Yeah, you said you do video games. I've heard so much about Twitch. Are you on Twitch? Twitch, yeah. Are you on uh, Twitch? Not yet, no, I'm not on Twitch. I don't know. No, I don't want to do Twitch yet. Because, okay. you know, it's another, it's another social media to try and nail. And this one requires a full shift of like four hours doing whatever it is. Like, I don't know if I can do it to myself. 
Okay. I really what? don't like. I mean, social media already gives me enough anxiety. Even just putting one picture on Instagram makes mm-hmm. me like a, a nervous m- mess you mm-hmm. know, for like an hour after. Yeah. So I don't know about doing that on Twitch. Maybe. Yeah, because Maybe I understand there are there are people who do Twitch video games and they're doing pretty mm-hmm. well. Um, what about TikTok? What's your view on TikTok? <laughs> TikTok again is another one. It's great if you can. Uh, put stuff on anything and make it make it popular but i again i just don't want to i don't want to give myself up to another platform and desperately try and do well on it because i find the ones i'm on are stressful enough yeah yeah i i i I just want to i just want to be on youtube man yeah yeah i've I've been trying tell me about youtube have you been able to crack it it's taking a while for Uh, me to crack it it's taking me (laughs) i definitely haven't cracked it Man, I have to say to you, I am a, I am a bloody president. And there are some videos that only have two views. Two views. <laughs> yeah, man. Disgraceful. I don't yeah, know. I, I, it's got better. There was an episode of one of these podcasts. I got right now 1,500 views. So that's, that's good. That's great. That's great. And so it's, it's picking up. But I don't know. I, don't, I still haven't been able to crack it. I think YouTube is a kind of... I prefer it because it's like long form. You can put anything on. It's a mm-hmm. bit more. I or this the thing with TikTok and all these other things like Twitch. I can't really, I can't really work on something like that uh, if I don't fuck with it myself. Mm. So I'm not on Twitch all day. I'm not on TikTok all day. So why am I gonna make content for that audience? But mm-hmm. on YouTube, I I live on YouTube. I'm watching YouTube all day. So oh, excellent. Because they say YouTube is the new TV. Definitely. I got YouTube premium, baby. No oh. adverts. Oh, okay. What does that mean? Tell me. Because I, I just got YouTube just get, normal. Just get no adverts. And that's oh. It. oh, okay. And I can play videos with my phone off, which is good. Okay. And how, how many play. subscribers have you got? I got about 1,380, maybe. Wow. And, and how long has that taken you to build? How long has it taken me to build? It's taken me about... Maybe about 10 years. <laughs> I've been on there a long time. 10 years. You're doing better than me anyway. You're doing better than me. I'm not, I'm not going to even tell you how many subscribers I've got. Look, Joe. But you know, it can blow up from nowhere. So you just got to keep up. Yeah, yeah. Just like any other thing. It just, it's just like comedy. You just have to keep at it. I'm going to ask you one more question. And that question is, um, the title of the podcast is called If Comedians Rule the World. So if you were in charge of the world, what would you do differently, Joe? What really gives you, what, because my view is that I, I, while I was gigging, I, and I'm so deluded about this, is that I, I see comedians like members of parliament. We travel all over the UK or wherever it is, meeting constituents. We give them our messages, we deliver our messages. Um, we make them happy. That's the difference between an MP and us. But, and then I, I remember one in particular gig that I did, and it was just for 20 minutes, and it was such a great gig. And I just felt these people wanted me to leave the country. They were just, it was as if they wanted me to move to number 10 down the street, like, oh, our dear leader. You know, and, and I know we spoke about politics earlier on. I'm so linked into the, the, the political 
side of um, comedy, but what would you, if you had you, what would you do differently? What if I was? Prime minister or president or of a country? I think, first of all, I don't know why anyone would want to be in politics. I have so much respect for you as a president, you know, what you do, like putting yourself out there. It's a very, very hard job. I wouldn't personally want to do it. I feel like it's, uh, you know, I have problems defrosting a fridge, let alone <laughs> running a country, you know. So I guess if I did, if I had any say in anything, I think the most important thing to me would be more honesty from people. I'd, I'd like to see politicians say once in a while, you know what? I have totally fucked this up. I am sorry. I'm fallible. Let me listen to how I've messed up. Let me learn from it. And I'd like people to be like that too. So that would be something I'd really like to push. If people were more honest about everything with each other, I think the world would be a bit of a better place because there's so much uh, front, so many people have to put up a facade and have to be seen to be doing the right thing, saying the right thing. Mm. But nobody's perfect. Everybody's learning, you know. We're all a work in progress, so mm. that's what I would do. Mm. And I'd also make myself very wealthy. But you, will, you won't survive. Through corruption. Yeah, uh, wow. That's, don't even start me off with corruption. There's the two types of corruption. There's the, there's the Western corruption that never gets aired, and there's the, the African corruption that everybody gets to hear about because it's, it's worse than what's happening in the West. We'll see what's happened over the last, last year or so with the British government, but don't start me off with that. Um, okay. But, but, but when you say, so you're basically saying that you don't believe politicians are honest, they're, they're liars. No, I think, I think you get honest politicians, maybe. I don't name name me one. Name me one at the moment. Yeah, you... that, that I, I don't know. But all I mean by that is, I, <laughs> that's a good question. All I mean is, I don't think people come into politics Mm -hmm. like dishonest i don't believe that i think people probably do it with good intentions but somewhere along the line something changes and i don't know whether that's the reality of their job or life whatever but that's why i wouldn't do politics because i'd feel like i don't want to be a bullshitter you know the world is the world's crazy people mm -hmm. are selfish mm -hmm. you know and so politicians should i'd like i would love to see an honest politician i would love to see one imagine Name me one honest politician that you admire. Is Jeremy Corbyn an honest politician? No, he's a, he's a, he's a shifty fucker. They're, they all are. All of them. <laughs> Boris, everybody. Every single one. I think one they have to be. They have to be to get those opportunities. That's why it's kind of a bit scary. You have so to compromise your integrity every time. So maybe that's why it's not a system that works then. It's a system that's geared towards, you know, changing who you are as a person because that's where the system is. Is yeah. that, you know, my, 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 my view of democracy is that it's a, is a dishonest uh, way of dealing with dictatorship. It's almost like dictatorship, yeah. but they, it's, it's not transparent. It's the other way, you know, but it's the, yeah, that's just my view anyway. But Joe, look, I am so, I'm so cautious of the fact that you've got McDonald's waiting for you that might get cold. <laughs> oh, it's cold, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> look, but it's been, yeah. it's been a pleasure. Uh, talking to you. I, I wish you, I know that it's a very challenging time. I wish you every success, continued success in uh, your Thank comedy. You. Likewise, likewise. Rap and, and in, in your well-being, because I think it's uh, really important. And thanks for joining me. I, my listeners, uh, Joe didn't know this was happening. I just demanded that he comes to my show. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I said 6.30, drop everything, no rapping, no 
comedy just come and talk to me and i have to yeah. say to you apologize to my my uh, audience um we have been talking to the real joe jacobs not the fake one who is an actor and happens to be has a black father called Clark Roberts. So uh, my apologies. Clark Peters. <laughs> or Clark Peters, or whatever it is. <laughs> and, hey, I mean, I don't know. I don't know about him being the fake Joe Jacobs. It, you know, it could be argued he is the real Joe Jacobs because he's been on the bill, Holby. He's got a good CV, man. Yeah. So um, you are. So so you are the you are the fake Joe Jacobs, and you are the potentially you are the E four and BBC Studios Jake Jacobs. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. Look, Joe. Look, you take care of yourself, um, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll do a Zoom coffee or Zoom whatever, smoking shisha, Zoom. Absolutely. Actually, I'm actually I'm going to find out whether there's a Zoom where I can find a Zoom shisha. They do Zoom shisha. There must be something. Maybe maybe you could start one. Maybe I can start one. Maybe that's what I need. Bring back the gig. Bring back the gig. No, you said I should diversify. So yeah, maybe, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe we can do that. Look, Joe, thank you so much. My listeners, I hope you have enjoyed this. This has been, I would say so, really fantastic. Uh, you met Joe Jacobs, who is a rapper, a comedian, and, uh, you know, we're we, we going to be fine. Comedians are going to be fine. Uh, some will drop down the line. Uh, we'll no longer do comedy. Some will continue to do podcasts. And uh, as Joe said, there are too many comedians um, in the world, so COVID is... Uh, is uh, it's reducing it by 50%. Uh, on that note, uh, <laughs> on that note, I am going to be spending some time this evening learning how to do black comedy. So that's what I'm going to be doing. And I actually hope I, my next guest quite possibly will be someone from the black comedy scene. I need, really need to talk to them and have a chat uh, for about 45 minutes. No African time, no Afro-Caribbean time. We will start on time. But thank you very much. Thanks. My pleasure. Yeah. See you soon, man. Thank you, man.